the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain Nutrition, Chewing the Fat, welcome to episode 79. We're gonna lock down to Electric Avenue. Infection rates are higher. You're welcome. Um, so this is another one of our client calls that we've done, our weekly client calls to help support, educate our clients. Um, just wanted to share it because it's got lots of actionable points that you can do this time to prevent the, well, whatever went wrong in your last lockdown. It's really going to help you focus, stay on track, and actually have a purpose over the next, hopefully, four weeks. So, hope you enjoy it. Hope you take lots of stuff from it. And again, if there's anything we say that you think is wrong or anything that you enjoy, please feel free to let us know. We're happy to take on board your feedback. Yeah, so we didn't think it was going to happen again, but here we are. Lots of people struggled like mad. Uh, and now we need to learn the lessons from the first one. If you absolutely smashed it in the first lockdown, then all is well. But, but it's now a case of doing it again. And I think, interestingly, from some willpower research, is that if you say to people, um, work as hard as you can for the next 30 minutes, is that after that 30 minutes, people are crap. So people are really good at holding out for a certain period of time and then they really struggle. People struggle more after that than if you'd said to them longer. So it's one of those interesting things when they said it's four weeks, but it might be more. That is something people need to keep in mind that it could be more and that we need to do everything that we can to make sure this process is as minimal fat gaining as possible, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that was apparent in the first one because it was a, an unknown amount of time. People were really good kind of for three weeks, four weeks, and then everyone started getting lax, everyone started getting frustrated, everyone started getting pissed off and was relaxed on the rules and meeting up and, you know, kind of not being as kind of stringent and, and strict as they should have been. So, yeah, I think kind of and we've seen it almost with the, the 28-day challenges, the success of that, where you can take someone who signed up for three months, but you put them on a 28 challenge and the results are just totally different because you've got that shortened period of concentration, isn't it? But then if you go, well, it's, it could be longer, it could be, you know, imagine getting someone to plan for you, like, well, we, we're going to, might go for 45 seconds, but then again, it, it, it might be three minutes. After that 45 seconds, people are going to be like, oh, fuck this. I quit. Or, or it might be six months. <laughs> yeah, it could, could be a, it could be a nine, it could be a year, a years long plank. So yeah, I totally agree. I think kind of going into this one, it's got to be very different because we've got that experience. You know, we always talk about collecting evidence and learning from, you know, not failures, but you know, mistakes. Again, you know, you never fail because you always get an outcome, whether it's the one that you wanted or not. So if you particularly struggled in the first lockdown, you know, kind of some of my clients. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about this. Kind of flagged up things. 
is now is the time to have learned from that and adapt for this one. You know, just straight away, one person just said, I really struggle, you know, kind of the, the kind of the mental health aspect of exercising really helps me. So I'm really worried about that. Just said, well, right, let's, that's something that we know. Let's be proactive. And I think proactive is a, a huge thing that we need to push for these next four weeks and come up with some kind of solutions. Because if we just go, I'm really going to struggle here, guess what's going to happen? You're really going to struggle unless you come up with some kind of solution. And that's when you need to break down. And again, it's not just as simple as going, I struggle because I can do exercise. Okay. But, and I was kind of saying to a breaking down, like, what's the specific thing? Is it just the exercise part? Or is it actually the fact that you get out of the house and you're not bothered by the kids or your partner, or you can switch off for, you know, an hour or 90 minutes? Is that the bit that's important? Because you can't replicate that by you doing, you know, high knees in the living room with your kids around. Sort of muted. Um, Okay. So it's kind of looking at the problem, looking at the issue, and what's the specific? Because if you just go, you know, lots of people say, I, I work out because of my mental health. Cool. Well, there's nothing stopping you from exercising at home, in your garden, at the park. But is it specifically that that's good for your mental health? Or is it actually you getting away from everyone, putting your headphones in, you know, having a bit of peace for an hour, like say, or 90 minutes, whatever? Because that's kind of a different issue. But I think, yeah, kind of proactively is looking at the issues that could possibly come up and coming up with some possible solutions, whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they're ugly, but some kind of solutions. If not, we've just got problems. Yeah, I think I've got, I spoke to a client about this this morning who was struggling to with, with motivation to exercise. And there were kind of two pointers off the back of that that I gave her that I think are useful. And the first one is to reward yourself. You know, she constantly mentions her dislike for exercise. But there'd be loads of clients listening just thinking, me well yeah there's about 10 of you but <laughs> my clients who who will feel like that and i think that what we have to then do is think well what do you hate the least or what do you enjoy doing and i think that people kind of back themselves into a corner by saying these things and saying oh, i don't like it and therefore they don't do anything you know and the, the more we, we look at things that, that way that the harder it's going to be so i think that starting off you know i said to her start with kind of a five minute minimum you're going to jog out from your house and you're going to do five minutes if you absolutely hate it you turn around, you walk home, you've only lost 10 minutes and however long it's taking you to get changed. But just the act of starting a task is often enough to, to get people going further. I do a, well, you know, James does the creative kind of fun stuff in state and I do the accounts and the dry stuff because I'm like better at that. Which and you find fun. My thing is always I'll do <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it, mate. I love looking at spreadsheets. Um, and my thing is like, I'll do 20 minutes. So by the time I've gone to the toilet, I've turned my laptop on, I've found the, the Google Sheets, I've got myself a drink, I've, I've patted the dog. I've already wasted 10 minutes. I've only got 10 minutes to do. And then as soon as I start, I go, this isn't too bad, I'll keep going. And I think that that's probably a good equivalent of my love for accounts as a lot of my clients enjoyment for exercise. I hate doing it, but it's a necessity that has to be done. And if I can break it up into chunks like that, where I go, right, I'll do 20 minutes. And then it's actually only 10 minutes, but then it ends up being an hour. And the way that I motivate myself to do that is, is through rewards, you know, is by external rewards. Is if, you know, you don't get the same buzz from exercise as someone who loves it does, then how can you give yourself another buzz? What else can you, can you reward yourself with? Can you, you know, what is your hobby? Whether that be books or crochet or shopping, whatever it may be. It's one thing that I've been quite hot on recently because I've seen it work so well with me is reward yourself with something you enjoy. You know, that I've struggled with the most and makes it to quite a few of the, of the calls. It's been getting up early. I've really, really struggled. 
whole five years we've been running sustained to get up at six o'clock in the morning, I'm a what is it? What is it? Larks or owls? Is that the two yeah. different birds that people? Yeah. One of them. I, I know which one's the late one, and I work loads better in the morning. But I've always struggled to get up, so I've had to reward myself financially by doing that and kind of gamifying this. You know, that's why uh, with toothbrushes they buzz after two minutes because otherwise people just go, "That's close enough." Whereas if you're looking for that reward, it's more successful. The same with toothpaste; they couldn't actually get people to use toothpaste at first. And the way that they did that was by giving people kind of a, a zingy, refreshing feeling. And it's this is this is how human beings work. We want rewards for stuff. And if, like James says, the exercise is essential to you, but you don't get that reward, you know, if you really struggle with it, then you have to put something else in there. And I think these are some of the tips and tricks you can use to make yourself do things you don't want to do. You know, for me, it's accounts and getting up early in the morning for a lot of exercise. But what are you going to do? Like James says, I've just reeled off two things there. You know, you have to apply something. You have to to look for the options. And a lot of the stuff we say with sustain comes down to that is, are you going to find solutions to problems? Yeah, I think the whole, I don't like any exercise is very similar to that. I don't like any vegetables. There's so many variants, variations and things that you can do exercise-wise. I'm sure there's something you do. You like, you see, you hate walking, you hate dancing, you hate swimming, you hate cycling. You, you know, I think people think exercise, they think, general volume training, they think treadmill sprints, they think high knees, burpees and stuff like that. No, just anything, any activity that you enjoy for your fucking health. You know what I mean? Be healthy, do some cardio. Um, so I think one trick that I use sometimes with clients as well is when they say, oh, I hate exercise. It's like, okay, you, you might dislike exercise. Hey, it's obviously a strong word. Um, but do you want the rewards of doing that? You know, do you want the side effects of doing that exercise? You know, we talk about you don't have to be motivated, you have to be disciplined. And people aren't always motivated to go to work, but they want the outcome of going to work, of that action of going to work. You know, you want to get paid, you want to have job security, you want to be able to pay your mortgage, live the life that you live, provide for your children, whatever it is. So if you can start kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at, well, if I do this exercise session, what am I going to get from it? Well, I'm going to get leaner, fitter, stronger. I'm going to feel more confident. I'm going to, you know, put money into my old age fitness pension. These are all very positive things. Actually, you go, okay, actually, I could do, you know, 30 minutes three times a week of, you know, like I said, just going out for a walk or doing some stretch and doing some yoga, doing whatever it is that, you, that works for you is kind of looking beyond the right hair exercise, but I want to do it, you know, like taking cod liver oil horrible no one's going to enjoy that but you might enjoy the side effects of the side effects are you going to it's going to be beneficial to you so just looking beyond that instant i suppose pain you know it's that short-term pain of doing something that you dislike for getting a fantastic result and you know and then are you going to learn to love it yeah possibly like i said i'd struggle to believe that everyone someone can hate all exercise whether you get a dance mat or, you know, whatever, like Joe does in his living room when he's practicing his moves. Whatever it is, you know, your uh, Strictly Come Dancing exercise DVD, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't have to be a structured weight training program. Ideally, it would be. That's going to be the most effective. But, yeah, to say, oh, I hate all exercises, like saying I hate all vegetables, unless they're deep fried and chips. So, yeah, looking beyond that would be all for me. I'd say... I think for me, I don't know about you, Joe, we've already discussed it, kind of 
or the last one, I kind of went off the boil a bit, and that's when I started that, doing my kind of transformation. Was I started off really strong, and then I got bogged down with work, and then I wasn't feeling the kind of home workouts and stuff like that, and that kind of went inactive. Now my food is fine. I was still dropping a bit of weight, but I wasn't kind of happy with that. So I'm giving myself little kind of projects to do this time. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling my like my non-negotiables, and that's what I've suggested to a few clients: is I have to do this each week. These are my kind of my process-based goals for the next four weeks or longer. Is stretching five times a week, so I have uh, like a daily stretch thing that I can do. So that's just twenty minutes. So that's easy. So I get up and I do that first thing. So if I leave it for longer, odds of me doing it rapidly decline. Uh, and then a minimum of three workouts per week. Now, ideally, I'd hit five workouts, but being sensible, I'm going to say three because that's the minimum that I'd be happy with. And then if I do five, fantastic. So just setting these little things down there, and you can do the same thing with your food. Again, it's the, the kind of process-based goals is if I do my stretching five times a week and I do my workouts three times a week, I'm going to be in a good place. And then I can add things like, you know, tracking my food, hitting my protein, all those kind of things, you know, a step count each week. Whatever's going to work for you. And, and when you do these, whether you're motivated or not, whether you feel like doing them or not, if you do these, you can't fail. You're already in a positive place you're already getting a positive result so i think kind of look at setting some non-negotiables is what you want to do but also with being realistic i'll let you talk in a minute joe don't worry and i think i actually wanted to bring up one of your clients actually obviously not named when people say things to me like i'm going to do this every single day or i'm going to have protein and veg every single meal it just depending on their mentality can often kind of spell Disaster, I suppose, a bit dramatic, but one of Joe's clients is as a, a kind of a really good example of just a different way of looking at things. I think that we'd look at me and Joe, and that you know, someone else might look at him. She wanted to do 90 days alcohol free. And she got to day 70, wasn't it, Joe? 60, I think. Day 60, so close. You know, two thirds, two thirds of the way through. Made a small mistake, had some alcohol. Now, me, if that was me and I was doing that challenge, obviously I'd smash it because I'd never drink. But, you know, say I was doing that challenge, I get to day 60 and I go, ah, messed up. What went wrong? What can I do different next time? How can I, you know, fix this? Right, I'm going to go for 89 out of 90 days alcohol-free. Then I might mess up again. I'm going, right, I'm going to go for 88 days. And it's still going to be a massive result because that's massively improved on whatever I was doing before. You know, 86 days out of 90 days alcohol-free is going to be huge for someone who drinks you know, three, four, five times per week. But instead of doing that, she just went, right, I'm done. I messed up, I quit. What's the point? And that, for me, is the danger of setting stuff every single day, is if you go, I'm going to have protein and veg every single meal, you miss one, you go, oh, fucked it. What's the point? Messed up. Or you go, I'm going to run every single day, and you don't run one day, you go, well, what's the point? Instead of thinking, right, I'll do this. So I'd always... Look at the minimum amount that you're happy with. So she could have said, right, I want to do, you know, 75 out of 90 days alcohol-free. And that would have given her that wiggle room to make that mistake. Like, not obviously not on purpose. And then the same thing for me. So I want to do five workers a week, ideally, but I'd be happy with three. That'd be the minimum about happy. So give yourself that bit of wiggle room. Be a bit easier on yourself. Now, you can still aim for five workouts. You can still aim for 90 days alcohol-free. But when you give yourself that little bit of wiggle room, it just makes things well, in my experience, more likely to happen. So if you're looking at setting a step target, go for a weekly one. 
you know, don't go 10,000 steps a day. Go 70,000 a week and it gives you, you know, you might do 7,000 one day, so you have to do 13,000 the following day. If you're going to do workouts, don't say I'm going to do something every single day. What would you be happy with? Five days a week. Cool. Now you've got two days wiggle room. You know, food, protein at every single meal. Well, just go minimum protein, two meals per day, or, you know, two meals and one snack. And you give yourself that bit of wiggle room. It's just a little bit easier. Again, you can hit those targets that you want, but have those as stretch goals, have what you know, bare minimum. Because I just think, you know, if you go things every single day, every single meal, you're setting yourself up for a bit of a failure. Again, it depends on your mentality. Because I know kind of being Joe be like, right, well, we'll get back on the horse. Let's see what we can do. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's it's the power how strong is the power of your word? And I know that I think this is a bit of a sensitive subject for people because they're then highlighted that the power of their word isn't that strong in that they set stuff on a Monday and by Tuesday they've given in, or, you know, and then they set something on a Wednesday and they've given in by Thursday. And I think that's one thing that, that me and you are good at is kind of saying is being stubborn and having that perseverance and, and grit is a measurable quality. There's a really interesting book on it called Grit. Angela Duckworth, I think it is. And she talks about how the students at West Point, which is a, a military academy in America, and they're graded on their athletic ability and their intellectual ability. So then you get a combined score and then, it, you know, you've got the kid at the top who's the best intellectually and athletically and the kid at the bottom who's the lowest. And they actually found out that when people dropped out, they dropped out equally through that whole range of people. So it wasn't the people at the top who dropped out, it wasn't the people in the middle, it wasn't the people at the bottom. Everyone dropped out at equal measures. And they basically used the, the GRIT study, which is something that she's kind of created. And it basically just looked at how, how used to failing people were. So some of the kids at the top, had never failed because they were the smartest, brightest sparks. They were super athletic. And then you put them through a military academy, people are going to break. People are going to hit their limits. And it's then what do you do? How do you respond to that? And that some of those kids had never failed. So that then when someone made them run for whatever, you know, 10 hours and they couldn't run anymore, they just went, right, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not doing it anymore. I'll quit. Whereas some of the kids at the bottom, they were there because they weren't the most naturally gifted. But because they'd worked so hard and they'd failed so many times, they'd overcome adversity so many times, that when they were made to run for 10 hours and they couldn't run anymore and they, someone said, keep going, they just went, good for me. Because, and that's where it comes down to, A, naturally how good, it, how good are you at this stuff? And B, how much have you worked at it? It's really interesting to see different athletes who go through this sort of stuff. I'm reading a book at the moment by Ross Edgley, who's the guy who swam around the British Isles. And he kind of talks a lot about this. And uh, David Goggins, who I know James has, has heard of before, who's a guy who lost something like 10 stone and then joined the... He didn't join the Marines, did he? But he joined something like that, one of the, one of the American Special Forces. Um, and he just, just overcame adversity so often. And I think that people sometimes think that it's this natural talent that you need to have. But actually, it's just how often you're going to kind of work around these things. Something that James said that was really interesting... I think he's frozen or he's just holding his pen very still. Um, so I'll just, I'll keep jumping until he comes back. Maybe he's just put a cardboard cut out there. Is if you look at the science of habits and how these things work, is that you've got a, what's called a habit loop. So you've got a trigger, an action and a reward. So James is saying about how, you know, we get up and we go to work or we look after our kids or, you know, I walk the dog, whether it's rain or shine or hail or sleet, because that's a commitment that I've made. And like James says, you don't want to, you know, you have to work to either get your house or, you know, to, to feed your family or whatever it may be. And that ultimately there's these rewards in play. 
and the, the, the reason we do, you know, I don't have to wake up every day and, and go to work because I'm not worried about, you know, I don't think consciously I need to pay my mortgage. It's just habitual. And if you look at the, the science of this, they did it on rats where they put them in the dark in, in the tunnel trying to find chocolate. And their brain activity was really, really high as they were trying to find this chocolate. And then over a period of days, once they figured out the route to take, the brain activity disappeared because they knew what to do. They didn't have to think. And the reason this stuff is so important for us is because like with exercise, like with getting up to go to work, eating healthy, is that as soon as you can make this stuff habitual, it becomes so much easier. You know, I often say to my clients, you know, if I go into my fridge now and open it up, there is so much food because I've just got used to doing this. Me and my missus, it's just something that we do. Is that every day when we cook dinner, we don't cook two portions, we cook six. You know, we use the slow cookers, we, we batch cook in advance. So there's just always food. There's a point recently where we had to stop cooking because we'd run out of freezer space in the two freezers we have. And that's why it's easier for me because I've got into those habits. And I think that when people first start out, people say, I don't have to think about this all the time. It's just how it's going to work. It's like your first lesson, you know, your first driving lesson, turning up and going, well, I don't have to think about this. Your reward for consistent application is not having to think about it. And that's what, you know, you get with driving a car, you get with food prep, you get with exercise. You know, I've been doing indoor rowing for probably the last six months and doing five sessions a week. And it's just something I do now. It's not something I have to schedule in because I'm used to finishing my working day. You know, I work kind of six till two or three and then I row. That's it. It's, there's, it becomes part of your routine. And I think that's why lockdown is so hard for people because a lot of their routines are, are pulled out the ground. A lot of extra stress is added because of the, the situation. So it's now, how quickly are you going to create those routines? How quickly are you going to challenge your mindset? How fast are you going to be able to change these things? Because if it's going to take you a month, then you can do an awful lot of damage in a month. If it's going to take you a day or two, then you're in a much better place. And it doesn't, you know, it's not going to become habitual immediately. But if you can get to that point where you're starting to build habits, you're starting, you know, you're putting the effort in to do these things, you'll be so much more successful. So it's just finding whatever it is during lockdown that you struggled with last time. You know, we've just had a lockdown. This is one of those things that, you know, I find interesting sometimes is that, you know, people say, oh, you know, I'm smashing it. This time it's different. And you say, well, what happened last time you felt like this? You know, we've just got this plethora of evidence of, of times that we've struggled. You know, for me, I'm 30 and, you know, I've been looking at trying to control my eating for the past 15 years consciously. You know, I know where it is that I mess up and I know the certain situations where I go off plan. It's just being willing to look back and to, to analyse where you've struggled. And it's not much fun. Seeing as James isn't back, I'm going to chunter a bit more. Might send him a text in a minute and see where he is. There's a guy called Roy Baumeister, who's a social psychologist. I read some really interesting stuff when I was on holiday last week. And he was saying about how if you give people a list of 10 skills and you ask them where they rank from 1 to 100. So if there was 100 people in a room, if I was the worst at that skill, I'd be number one. If I was the best, I'd be number 100. And they ask people to rank themselves. And it's the idea that everyone thinks they're above average. The lowest score anyone gave was 40. So people said they were only just below average. And there are other people who thought they're at their abilities. They thought they were in the top 5%. And it's really interesting. He kind of reeled off some of these different skills. And I thought, I'm really good at that. Oh, and I'm really good at that. Oh, and you know what? I'm brilliant at that one. And then you go, but some of these things I'm just telling myself I'm good at. You know, I can't, I think he listed off six skills. And I said, I was, I put myself in the top. 10% of five of them. And I think this is where it's really hard because then you've got to go, because I think, you know, there's not, there's a lot of things here that I'm not 
as able as I think I am. And he was saying there's three things that, that people do wrong is they overestimate their traits and their abilities. They think that good things are going to happen to them and the bad things won't. And they're unrealistically optimistic. And it's quite tough stuff. Then you think, oh, actually, a lot of those traits that I think I have, maybe I don't have. And a lot of those things that I think are going to happen aren't going to happen. And it's then about how you're going to handle that and what you're going to do. And that I think it can either break some people or it can motivate other people. You know, if you, if you, if you hear that and you go, well, there's no point in trying, then you've just got to try harder because nothing's going to change without that. There was a, the last bit, see if James comes back, it's something called the 10X rule or the 10X method is that anything you want to achieve takes 10 times more effort than you think. It'll take 10 times longer. It'll take 10 times more application. There'll be 10 times the, the mess ups that you think. And I think that, you know, when I first started trying to get a six pack when I was 15, is that that is so true. I remember when we first started Sustain just over five years ago. And I said, well, do you know what? In the first year, we'll work on our processes and then we can just work on taking it to as many people as possible. And now we're here five years later. I'm thinking, God, there's so much to do to make this what we want it to be. The same with my rowing. You know, anything that's, that's worthwhile just takes so much effort. And I just don't think that when we start these journeys that we're aware of it, I think that if we can take that into consideration, then it's going to make the process easier. The guy who wrote that then said there's four reactions that people have. They either reverse and run away. They either put in no effort, they put in a medium effort, or they put in maximum effort. And I can see this across my clients where some people struggle and I don't ever hear from them again. I chase them and chase them. I send them bits of their questionnaire, putting stuff in their subject lines. And they're gone. That's it. Other people will just continue to log their food, but not put in the effort. Other people put in a bit more effort. You know, they'll put a bit more veg in, but then they'll just be saying things on the line of, well, it's better than before. And then there's other people who really put their foot down and they go, right, well, do you know what? Yesterday I had a digestive, but I didn't really need it. So I'm going to throw the digestives away and I've bought some chewing gum and I'm going to write my affirmations throughout the day and I'm going to drink more water. And you're like, wow, my God, this, this is what we're looking for. And I think that, if we go into this with this attitude that it's going to be easy and that we can do it on a wing and a prayer, we're always going to struggle. Whereas if we go in thinking, this is going to take more effort than I thought, but I'm willing to do it. And then to look at all those different areas and apply yourself, then you can be loads more successful. I feel like I, I thought James was gassing for quite a while, but I've, uh, I've certainly, certainly chatted there and certainly ran a bit of a monologue. So we will uh, call it there. If you've got any questions or anything you want to ask, then throw it in a text box now, or you can unmute yourself and talk. And if not, then I'll bid thee farewell. I'll just give you 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. 10 seconds seems plenty. I'm not going to wait for 30. It's slightly awkward. Hopefully, you all found that useful. I'm actually going to do a podcast on that book I was reading by Roy Baumeister. He wrote a whole book on willpower. He's done a load of willpower studies. It's really interesting stuff. So keep your eye out because I will be posting that in the group at some point um thank you very much natalie nice to see you um you're very welcome and i will speak to you all soon Ta -ta. <laughs>